following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. What is this mixtape series we've been doing? This is, this is something that's been a lot of fun. We're in the fourth week of this. We have one more week coming up next week. It's our fall kind of um, celebration, invitational outreach series. We call it Music for Heart, Soul, and Mind. And whereas typically in church, and Artisan is not an exception to this most weeks, um, there's a topic or a scripture passage that's kind of the center point for the day. And the music is built around that, and the preacher preaches a sermon built around that, and that's kind of the way it goes. But um, being a very artistically inclined congregation, and with a lot of musicians in the room, we've been doing this off and on, we do it every few years, um, where we start with a, a musical genre. You see them listed up there. Uh, we've done soul music, blues music, Americana, bluegrass, and today we're doing jazz, and next week it's hip-hop. And we ask ourselves, what does this particular genre of music and its kind of idiosyncrasies have to teach us about the life of faith? Uh, music is very spiritual. Even if you're not a Christian, not a religious person, you know probably that music affects you in a way that other stuff doesn't. Um, I don't know the, the neuroscience behind that, but I'm sure one of you does. Because um, in addition to being an artistic community, we're a very scientific community. So it's kind of fun that way. Um, uh, but today's uh, genre of music is jazz. And this is one of my favorite things to do, which is talk about the life of faith um, and compare it to jazz. I know that's a really weird idea, perhaps, but I hope it will make sense a little bit later. Um, but first, to set the stage, uh, we want to hear some jazz music, and we have an absolutely fantastic, two absolutely fantastic jazz musicians here with us today, Greg Wachala and Mel Henderson. Would you guys come on up, and would you welcome them, and they're going to perform some for us? And uh, a little bit later, if I don't do it, please remind me that I need to ask them to tell us when they're playing out so we can go support them out in the community, too, because we love to go hear live music. So, all right, guys, thanks for being here. Looking forward to it.
it's more more of a give and take kind of thing, you know. And so we we, we don't practice this. I mean, we go to tunes and we kind of have fun with it. That's why you see some people smile and laugh at each other because we're nuts. But, um, <laughs>
just like in my happy place right now. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> um, we're going to hear more from these fantastic musicians shortly. So, about that most embarrassing moment. Uh, I was um, in the jazz band in high school. I loved jazz band. It was, I mean, I, I was okay in school. I did well in, in all the subjects and things, but, but I was just waiting for, for jazz band days every week. And all day those days I was waiting to get to the jazz band rehearsals. All I wanted to do was play the saxophone. And um, I was, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, But I was pretty good. I was pretty good at saxophone. Uh, I play guitar now much more often than I play saxophone, but I, was, I will never be at good at, as good at guitar as I was at saxophone. And it was like my thing that I did. And we were doing a jazz band concert one day for the whole rest of the school. And um, we are playing along. I don't remember what the tune was. It was like big band music mostly. And uh, in the corner of the room I saw two of the three prettiest girls in school that I wanted to date. I didn't even know how to, to date a girl, but that's why I, I, I wanted to date these particular girls. Um, not all at the same time. Just, <laughs> sorry, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to um, have a girlfriend, and I, I didn't know how to do that. Um, and I thought, this is, I have a solo coming up, and I'm pretty good at this, and uh, I'm going to win at least one of their hearts with this solo. I didn't really understand how this worked, as I said. Uh, there's nothing that uh, 15-year-old girls like more than um, big band music from the 40s, right? <laughs> so the solo comes up, and the thing is, in the saxophone section, you're all seated, and, and if you solo, you have to stand up to, to take your solo, right? So I'm like, I'm going to stand up, I'm going I'm to blow this solo out, it's going to be amazing, and they're just going to be like, when can we go on a date? That's, that was my plan. So I, I, the solo's coming up, I'm gonna, if I stand up and lock my legs behind me, I'm getting ready to, to play the first note. And um, I wasn't good at physics. Um, the, the gymnasium floor was rubber, that rubberized kind of gym floor, you know the type? And the, the chairs for the sack section were those metal folding chairs with the rubber feet on them. And when I stood up to play this solo, I tipped over that chair so hard, and it just, bam, just clattered on this floor, and it just, a big echoey room, and it echoed and, and rattled and echoed and rattled. And I was totally lost. I had no idea what key we were in. I didn't even know what song. I didn't know what state I was in. I was so embarrassed. I was in a state of embarrassment. And um, that's the story of how I never went on a single date with anyone from my high school. (laughs) What I want to talk to you today about is a way of understanding our purpose and our place in the world. Uh, even if you're not uh, religious or explicitly Christian, if you're a spiritually curious person, you probably have spent some time wondering about the big questions of life. What does it all mean? How is it that we are here on this little tiny planet spinning around uh, a little tiny star that's spinning around in this relatively tiny galaxy in an ever-expanding universe, and yet we're here and we, we have joy and pain and hunger and um, love, and what does it all mean? This is one of the big questions. And if you're, if you're a believer in God, those questions become a little bit more specific because you feel like maybe you have, the, you have the first big question answered, most days anyway, and then you start to think about questions like this. How, how can you live the life that God wants you to live? What job should you have? Um, should you get married or, or not? What, what do you do if you, if you can't find someone to marry? 
Should you have kids? How many? What city or town should you live in? What neighborhood in that city or town? How are you supposed to serve God in, in wherever place you end up being? What exactly is God's will for your life? Is the question that we would ask uh, growing up in church. And how do you discover it? And sometimes trying to find the answer to that question, what exactly is God's will for your life? Sometimes it feels like you're walking on a tightrope, right? The way is very narrow. That's from the Bible. I think Jesus said that. The way is narrow. And we think of a, a narrow road like a tightrope. And it's very precarious. And, and if you step in the wrong direction, or if you even just step too heavily to one side in the right direction, you're going to fall off and you're going to be falling through the air for who knows how long and you're just going to be praying that there's a net and that it's securely fastened to something strong and sturdy. Sometimes figuring out what God wants from us is, is it feels a little bit like searching for a needle in a haystack. Digging through thousands of competing and eerily similar options in search of the one perfect one that God has designed for us from the beginning of time. And then you find the needle in that haystack and you turn around and realize there's another haystack. And the next decision in your life is the same process all over again. Or let me say it this way, since we are in mixtape after all and everything is about the music right now. Sometimes life is like a complicated piece of sheet music. A lot of dots and lines, a lot of sharps and flats, a lot of accidents and accidentals. And maybe you're not good at reading music or maybe you don't know how to read music at all and you've got this piece of music in front of you and it requires so much more technical skill than you ever could possess. And you spend every moment of your life worrying that you're going to play the wrong note loud enough or the right note at the wrong time, loud enough, and suddenly everyone is going to know the truth, which is that you are an imposter, and you don't belong here at all. But here's the thing. I believe that all three of these analogies are flawed. I think that they're all wrong. I don't think that finding God's will for our life is like walking on a tightrope. I don't think it's like trying to find one needle in one haystack and then the next needle in the next. I don't think that finding what God wants for us and what God wants for the world is like having a complicated piece of sheet music that you have to play precisely right or you'll be entirely wrong. I actually think that the life of faith and finding what God wants for us is jazz. Musicologists can talk about jazz in a lot of different ways. You can think about jazz and say, what makes this piece of music jazz is the way the eighth notes are played, right? We swing the eighth notes. If, you know what, if you're a musician, you know what that means. Or sometimes you think it's instrumentation, right? A saxophone doesn't really have a place in an orchestra, but it works in a jazz band. Um, trumpets don't belong anywhere, but... Um, <laughs> just in case you're wondering... <laughs> All the brass players are going to come after me. I don't care. They're tiny wimps. <laughs> wow. Um, any bassoon players in the room? <laughs> no. The way uh, I would... I, I think the thing that characterizes jazz best and most clearly is the, is the idea of improvisation. 
You might argue with me. There's other ways to define jazz, but I think jazz is most clearly expressed in improvisation. And if you don't know what improvisation is, it's very simply making up the melody as you go along. It's creating something on the fly. And in my opinion, it's one of the most beautiful musical acts you can possibly participate in. And I think it's a perfect metaphor for the life of faith. Um, And I want to tell you why I think it's a perfect metaphor for the life of faith shortly. But because there are a few kind of musical technicalities that I'm going to refer to when I do that, I'm going to invite Greg and Mel back up, and we're going to do a little bit of a demo of improvisation. All right? So while they're coming up, let me tell you the basics. Music is made up of notes, single tones, and chords, which is more than one note played at the same time. Typically, a chord on guitar is two or three notes, or piano, and sometimes they're octave, to octave so like the same note but higher. Uh, in jazz, our chords get stacked up even higher, sometimes 7, 8, 9, 13, uh, whatever. Uh, lots of different tones in jazz chords. But the way you construct a solo in jazz or any other type of improvisation, essentially, is you, you know the key of music you're in, you know which notes work in that key, and then you, you know the chords that are being played. And if I'm playing over a G chord, I, I know that it has a G and a B and a D in it. I can play any of those three notes and I'll be safe. But a good improviser knows not just the chord that she's playing right there, but the one that's coming next. And how we can make a melody that gets from one chord to the next is where this beauty really comes in. And so we're going to do a little bit of a demo here. And um, let's, uh, let's involve the audience so that we know we're not stacking the deck here in any way. Somebody who's not a musician, not a musician in the room, give me a letter between A and G. We had G in the 845 service, so we're going to choose a different one. Sorry. Uh, give me a letter between A and F. <laughs> C, all right? Now, um, somebody who's not a mathematician, uh, pick a number one, two, or three. Three. Uh-oh. Three is sharp. So we're in C sharp. Um, Heather, the last movie you saw, was it a comedy or a drama? Okay, so we're going to go with minor. So C sharp minor. All right, you guys? And um, do you want to do the little 12-bar blue thing? Is it blue thing? Is that okay? Or you want to do something different?
C sharp and change the tonality to major on this next chorus. Can we do that? These guys are good. C sharp major. Ooh, that's a lot of sharps. You appreciate what you just did. <laughs> C sharp major. And that was gorgeous phrasing. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. You can take another seat and we're gonna have some more music for them in just a second, but uh, <laughs> Wow. So uh, we didn't we didn't plan that ahead. We we did a similar win in, with totally different keys this morning, and I think that was those were harder keys, and I think it actually came out even better. So, man, um, so here's what I want to I want to say three things about improvisation as a metaphor for faith, and I'm going to try to do this quickly so we can get a couple more songs from them. The first thing I want to say to you uh, about uh, f- improvisational faith is that you have to play over the changes. This is a jazz term, playing over the changes. The changes means the, the way the chords change from one to the next, right? Um, and uh, to know the tune, you have to know uh, what chord is being played now and what chord is coming next and what chord will be played after that. And you can begin to construct your melody in a way that anticipates what's coming in the future. And I use this metaphor of playing over the changes as distinct from playing a classical score, Right? In a wind ensemble, I was playing a, a Bach fugue once. Our, our whole ensemble was playing this, this thing. And uh, I played a G sharp when I was supposed to play a G. And the conductor stopped rehearsal. And in front of everybody said, Scott, can you play the G sharp there where it's marked G sharp? And I was like, okay. <laughs> yes, I absolutely will do that. And I didn't hear it. He heard it. And it was wrong. It was the wrong note. Um, and I, I could have read it on the page. I should have read it on the page. That's what you're supposed to do. But with jazz music, you're playing over the changes, and so the melody is not prescribed for you ahead of time. Now, what are the changes? What are the chords that we as Christians have to uh, follow to play over? If we're going to improvise our life of faith, what's the structure that undergirds that? Well, I mentioned the phrase God's will earlier. That's a little bit of an inside baseball, inside Christian baseball term. Um, but it just refers to what God wants for you and for the world. And uh, if you, like I did, went to a, a, a Christian school, either in high school or in college, this is a very, very, very popular topic in these settings. And in youth groups and in churches around the country, people talk about trying to find uh, God's perfect will, the center of God's perfect will. You've heard these cheesy phrases before, some of you? If you haven't, God bless you, you're, in, you're a step ahead of the rest of us. <laughs> but here's the thing, the way the... The way that God's will is talked about in the Bible is entirely different from the way we talk about it in youth groups and in the church. God's will in the Bible is only explicitly described in five different verses in the New Testament. And all of them are generalized. I'm not going to go into all the details of it, but it's things like, it's God's will that you believe in his son Jesus. That's kind of a catch-all category of God's will. right? It's not exactly which parking spot does God want me to park in at Wegmans, right? 
There's a, a, a passage in the book of Ephesians that says, don't be filled with wine, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's two ideas here. One is that uh, alcohol should be consumed responsibly, and the other one is that God, the thing that should give us joy and make us make, us make lots of noise and have the neighbors call the police is the Holy Spirit of God, not uh, Jim Beam, <laughs> right? There's two of them in 1 Thessalonians. Um, the first one talks about controlling our bodies, specifically sexually, and it basically says we should not be exploiting each other in the ways that we engage sexually. Right? The Bible has other things to say about sex, but this is the only one that's, that specifically says God's will next to it. Uh, and then it's God's will. Later in First Thessalonians, it's God's will that we interact with the leaders in our spiritual communities in a particular way. There's one in 1 Peter 2, which is about uh, engaging with the, the politics of empire. But I've had just about enough politics this month already, and it's only going to get worse for the next 40 days. So let's just, just trust me that it's not very specific. It's very generalized. So this is the point. The changes that we have to play over, if we want to understand God's will from a New Testament perspective, are very general. It's big categories of things. It's not specific. It's n- although the Spirit leads characters in the New Testament to specific things from time to time, that's never described as God's will. So if Paul is led by the Spirit to go to Tarsus, it doesn't say it's God's will for you that you go to Tarsus right now. No, no more than it's God's will for you to take a job in Denver next week. How can you live out the broader understanding of God's will if you take that job in Denver is the question you ought to be asking. So play over the changes. And the changes are these five passages of Scripture that specifically articulate what God's will is, and it's different from what we thought. The second one is this. I'm going to give you another jazz term. The second one is return to the head. The head in in jazz music is the the original melody of the tune. So uh, Mel and Greg demoed, uh, their first song this morning was Autumn Leaves, which is a classic classic introductory level jazz tune. They played it at a very high level. But introductory jazz students will will do Autumn Leaves almost, almost without fail. In the first semester you study jazz, you'll do Autumn Leaves. Something like that, right? Very simple little melody. And then over the top of that, and, and uh, over the top of the chord progression in that song, you can do all kinds of amazing improvisation, and they did. But here's the thing. If you're a student just learning how to do this, that's extremely intimidating. And you think to yourself, I am in the wrong class. <laughs> I, don't, I don't belong here at all. I, I could never do that. But here's what you can do. You can fall back to that melody. If you stand up and kick your chair over (laughs) and it clatters and you get lost and you're embarrassed and you don't know what chord you're supposed to be playing over, you just sit down and think, where's the melody of this song? And you can play the melody. That is how beginner improvisation is always taught. Know the chords, but know the melody. And just embellish the melody a little bit. And what's the melody for us as Christian people? It is nothing more or less than the life of Jesus Christ. Right? If you are wandering through this world of woe, wondering what God wants from you and how to live out your faith in this area or that area, at your job, in your neighborhood, in your relationships, whatever it might be, and you don't know where to start, look to Jesus. This is always my answer. I am, I am the Jesus broken record. I love Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is the, the answer. But in this case, Jesus is the example. He's the head. The headship is is a a big deal in the New Testament too, and Jesus is the head of the church, the the body. He's the head of the body. Hebrews 2 says Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. 
So if you don't know which way to turn, you don't know what to do next, you don't know how to make a decision, look to Jesus. Return to the head of the tune. And here's the third one. This is the most complicated and hardest to grasp, but it's also my favorite. The third one is that in jazz and in improvisation, there are no wrong notes. There's only notes that don't resolve. If you, um, if you do a Google search for jazz, no wrong notes, you will turn up uh, eight or ten quotations attributed to various classic jazz musicians. And I'm not sure that any of them are actually verified as having been said by any of those musicians, but I love the sentiment that's contained in them. Uh, Miles Davis allegedly said, it's not the note you play that's the wrong note. It's the note you play afterwards that makes it right or wrong. So um, in in a jazz solo, you can play along and you can hit a note that's wrong. It's, it's not in the chord. It's not in the key. <laughs> it's a G sharp when you should have played the G natural. But instead of the conductor stopping and making an example of you in front of uh, 92 other people, what happens is you get a chance to lean into that note a little bit harder, to build some musical tension, and then to resolve it into the note you should have played in the first place. And that ends up being, in a weird way, even more beautiful than if you'd played it correctly the first time. This is true in the life of faith as well. There are all kinds of times when we stumble and fall and do something stupid or um, arrogant or willful. And that it's, it's, it's a wrong note. But here's the beauty of the life of faith in Christ is that every wrong note can be resolved to the right one. And as a matter of fact, it's those tensions that make music beautiful. A very common progression in all Western music is uh, five to one. A G7 chord goes to a C chord. Why does it do that? Why does it sound good to our ears? Well, the reason is that there's two semitone resolutions in that progression. Uh, The F natural goes to an E. That's a half step. It's one key on the piano. It's one fret on the guitar. Uh, It's T do in the scale if you sing uh, that uh, sound of music thing. Um, (laughs) It also has a B that comes up to C. It's the same... Uh, musical distance, and both of these, these little tiny differences get resolved together in this beautiful way. That's why a G7 sounds good going to a C chord, um, because there's tension in the music that gets resolved in this beautiful way, and that's what the life of faith is like, because it's never going to be playing it right the first time. That's, that's a goal that we will not achieve, and so your choices are, uh, I'm terrible at this, I'm going to quit band, <laughs> Right? Or whatever the equivalent is in the life of faith. Or, how can I co-create on the spot? How can I improvise on the fly? How can I make music with God in a way that resolves this tension into something beautiful? And that's what, that's what Jesus is all about. Let me leave you with this from 1 John chapter 1. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Remember that. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the key to an improvisational faith is realizing that we will hit wrong notes, 
but that the, whole, the beauty of the whole thing is tied up in hitting the wrong note and having it come out to the right note eventually. And that's by the grace of Jesus. Now, if I had a little more time this morning, the next thing I would talk about is communal improvisation, which is a really, really fun thing. Um, where you don't have just uh, some chords and one person soloing over them, but you, you create this stuff on the fly with more than one person. And in an ensemble, improvisational music is, is more challenging and more complicated and messier and has bigger risk of going off the rails. Um, but it also has a huge payoff if we can do it right. And we're in community together with each other. And as we each improvise our own lives of faith, we're doing it alongside each other. Um, and that is potentially a very beautiful thing. And so I'm going to invite you to come and take communion together. If you're following. Greg and Mel, would you come back up and uh, maybe a couple more tunes for us? Welcome them back up, would you please? Now, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I'm going to uh, invite our community to take communion while you play this, this next first one. So maybe uh, something gentle and soul-searching. And then you, then you can go whatever direction you want after that. But our communion table is open to all who are seeking to follow Jesus in this place. Uh, come and receive the body and blood of the Savior.
going to ask them to play one more tune for us in a moment. Guys, one more tune, if you don't mind. Thank you.
For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com. 